have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. All right, here we are. Rick Fit, the man, the myth, the legend. Um, now I'm going to start it off, Rick. Do you know the first time we officially met? It was on a football pitch. I think so, bro. I, I think we played Long Island Rough Riders together when we were like 12. Yes, yeah, 12, definitely, 13. Definitely that. We also played each other in the league, but it was, this was the time I'm thinking of because we definitely played Rough Riders together, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Um, because we were the same age group. Uh, yeah. And that was like, it was all the same kids that were always playing together. Um, I, I remember you you and um, Nick Forgione were just legends yes. from Massapequa. Yeah, and Dean Caparello is also <laughs> legends yes, from Massapequa. Yes. Dean. <laughs> yes. Bro, Dean was a baller, man. Dean was a baller. Yeah. So is there any bad. story to this? or No, no. no what I was saying, oh, okay, what good. I'm going to get to, I don't know, you, maybe you don't uh, remember it. I was playing pickup. I'm like, I remember, man. I was playing pickup with uh, Winnie Arsky and Vincent Pellegrino uh -huh. at Manhasset High School. We would always play with Chris Megalutis and that little group. Yes, yes. And yes, you were okay. you were training by yourself on the other side of the turf. Wow. And then Winnie, <laughs> Winnie and Pell were like, yo, isn't that kid like, I see him on Instagram, like I think he plays in Germany or something. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm not sure who it is. They're like, yeah, I think his name's like Eric or something. I think he plays in Germany though. Yeah. So when you invited yeah, over yeah. and then you played with us. And then uh -huh. I was like, oh, yes, shit. now I remember. Now I remember. Yeah, yeah. And then that there was a girl like, oh, playing as well, right? Yes, yes, yes. She was uh, uh, Julia. She's going to Duke now, I believe. Um, mm. Yeah, that was with Eric Schmidt. I don't know if you know him. He was there. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And then that started yeah, because at the time, I, I think we were now maybe in our second or third year of college, and you've already been, you were already outside the, the States playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You were kind of the, fir the first. It really fits the, it really. It really fits the brand too that the first time you met him, he was like putting in some work, doing some yeah, doing individual training and stuff. By himself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But now you know, the, the value of pickup is huge, man. It's just uh so underrated, you know. The value of quality pickup too, like like that facts, session. Facts. Even players. like, you know, we'll probably get into it, but like you know, you know those times you go to like the pitches in Germany and like you know they're the cage they have the cages and they have the cage yeah, goals. The yeah. And and yeah. bro, you, you like look at these guys and they're like out of shape, you know. And you go in there and like, man, some of these guys can ball, you know. One hundred percent. I mean, just I it, tell people, I tell people here that the way that they do pickup football, soccer is like how we do pickup basketball in the U.S. Yes. You know, like yeah. everyone can play a little bit. And so you can always just find a game of fives to run, but exactly. that's the same thing here. And that's why I love about on. it. Yeah, exactly. Do you, so do you find anything out there in Israel? Like how is the, how is the soccer culture there for, for something like pickup? Well, now I'm in Latvia, but um, oh, wow. in okay, Israel, man, <laughs> in Israel, uh, we'll get into it, of course, but man, like, Israel, these, these players in Israel, it's like the same with all, like, I think Middle Eastern players, like even in, in Germany, you see these Turkish guys, mm. man, like they're so good, technically, so good, technically. The, their head's not and there. Exactly. Exactly. Like, dude, like played in Sweden, Germany, seen players in Latvia all over, man, like Israelis and like a lot of Middle Eastern players, man, like Arabic players, so good on the ball, but just like discipline wise, tactics wise and, and game intelligence, like you said, it's not there yeah mm. interesting yeah. yeah that definitely want to get into some of those things but i guess sure. let's start let's start a little earlier though in your life and in your career yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I know in some in some some blogs and on your website, you kind of discussed that your your upbringing you you weren't so I guess disciplined maybe is the word you were yes maybe had a little bit of a troublemaker vibe inside of you yeah. and yeah. you know if you could just start around there and you know how you really got into soccer and how it kind of transformed you mm-hmm. that would be great for sure for sure yeah so um I think I started playing when I was like four or five you know t- typical playing in the in the rec leagues um my parents never played never played soccer wasn't really where I grew up you know the Merrick Belmore area is not really a soccer culture it's more baseball and basketball mm. And, um, you know, I played baseball, I played basketball, got into lacrosse in my days. Um, typical American, you know, American kid. Play um, every sport. Exactly, exactly. And um, I think I remember I was playing, I forgot what team I was playing, maybe like an Oceanside team or something when I was like 12 or 13. And uh, this English coach was our trainer. And he told me, he said, like, Eric, you know, you really got some good potential in the game. And he asked me if I played on any other sports. And I told him, yeah, I play basketball. I play baseball. Um, and he's like, yeah, if you really want to get to the next level in the game, you need to pick and focus on one thing. And uh, I remember I came home from that training and I was like, I think I spoke with my parents and, you know, I was playing basketball. Sean, I don't know if you're familiar with Island Garden, but I was mm-hmm. playing like, you know, that type of stuff. It was a decent level basketball. Good level. You know, was, yeah. 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 And I enjoyed it. But man, you know, when you get older, man, you just, you're not, you're not the height. Like it's just not mm. possible. Yeah. And I think at like 15, 16, I was like, I stopped. I think when I went into high school, I stopped playing basketball. And um, yeah, I was also playing like outside besides club ball. I was playing Long Island Rough Riders. Um, I was playing with Sean, a couple other guys from Long Island. Got who else was on that team? Uh, Everyone, couple ballers. All, all all the ballers from our age. Group. Yeah, exactly. It was, exactly. A, it was a fun time, dude. Great times, man. Like Poconos Cup and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Uh, great vibes. I mean, you look back at those days, man, yeah. and you're like, yo, like you could play three or four games in one day. You eat the oranges after yeah. the game. You yeah. know, you, you yeah, get a Gatorade in you. You're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Man hunt in the hotel. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Those were great, man. Those were great. So, yeah, I was, um, yeah, I was p- playing, you know, outside, you know, doing the long uh, rough fires, playing, you know, uh, club ball. This was, uh, and then I went into middle school. And I, I've talked about this before on my, um, my social media and, and like, as I, you know, quote, get bigger, I, I don't even like to look at myself. People like to call me an influencer. I don't like that. Like I always, like when people say, oh yeah, you're an influencer. Like I try to say, no, I'm a so- I'm a footballer with a big audience. I don't want to be mm. classified as an influencer. I want to, <laughs> my whole goal is to try to help younger guys, not make them and girls not make the mistakes that I did at a young age and help them with, with things that, that I've done well and other things that I'm trying to learn for myself, my own clients that we could get into later and, you know, help them, you know, with practical and scientific knowledge to help them. Um, so yeah, you guys will notice I go on tangents, man. So that's a perfect, that's perfect for a podcast. (laughs) That's the the whole role of this. If I just talk too much shit, just let me know. (laughs) But uh, yeah, man. So um, 
when I was like 14, 15, 16, like went into to middle school, uh, like I just remember, man, like my neighbors and uh, like other kids, like I said, a lot of my good friends were playing baseball. And like as a joke, they would call me a foot fairy, you know, but mm. as we as we all know, like when people make jokes, but they still have that little, you know, it's in their mind that you are a foot fairy, like even if it is a joke, you know, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, like these kids are calling me a foot fairy, you know, but my boys, but they're making a joke. And, you know, you look back and it's like, man, you look at American football, oh, that's a man's game, you know, so whatever. I went into middle school. And dude, I, I I tried out for the uh, the middle school American football team. Oh wow! And yeah, man, as like uh, I think I got running back. Dude, I was like out of my mind, man. So um, yeah, like I ended up playing um, American football in seventh grade in in middle. Oh, so you school. made the team. Word. I okay. made the team. Yeah. <laughs> and um, at this time, like. I was, uh, I was hanging around with the, like the quote wrong crowd, you know, kids, like, like, like you said, you know, I was a bit of a troublemaker class clown. Um, and I had stopped going to trainings for the rough riders. Um, remember that Jose was our coach. Yeah, Jose. I his last name. Jose yeah. Ribe. Jose Ribe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good, good guy. Good Very guy. Good. You know, yeah. South American guy knew his stuff mm-hmm. and I just stopped going to training. Like, you know, my dad would be coming to pick me up or my, my stepdad or my mom wanted to take me over to training. And I was just like, no, I'm, I'm hanging out with my, my friends. Like, and I just like 13, 14, 15, I just like stopped going to training. And I ended up getting like a call or a letter in the mail, something that like, Eric, like you're just not committed, committed enough to, to this. So we're going to have to drop you from the team. And, uh, up to that point, like I, you know, I was like one of usually the better players. And when I, when I felt that, I was like, damn, like this is, this is real, you know? And um, yeah, like, I guess it didn't hit me. So I just let it be. I don't even think I was like even playing. I think I was playing like a little bit of club and and then was still enjoying the game. Um, And uh, yeah, like you said, like I was a bit of a troublemaker in school, which, you know, my mom always tells me not to tell people this on interviews, but I'm an open and transparent guy. So, man, I, I got kicked off my middle school soccer team. Um, uh, I don't know. I was just causing trouble. So I got kicked off the team. And, uh, yeah, I just had to, like, do a, a double, like, a, a look in the mirror. Um, I didn't really have, like, I'm, a, I'm an only child, didn't have brothers, sisters, no one really quote like to mentor me in the right place in the right direction. Mm. Like I thought it was cool to be a bad kid and 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 mm. uh, a class clown and entertain people. Um, because I I mean I I really do it, till this day I enjoy like entertaining people, having a good time, giving people laughs. But now I know like there are more appropriate ways to do it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and like. Let's see. So then eighth grade, uh, you know, middle school, I, I think I kind of got back on the rails a little bit, went into high school, played high school soccer. I was also playing at the time for Lake Grove United, uh, which is like a pretty good team in the, you know, in the Premier League realm. I don't think academies were around then. No. Um, so I think I was like 
16, 17, had a really good trainer at the time, really good uh, in terms of technique, uh, you know, more of that European mindset of uh, all about just always playing with the ball, uh, doing things with the ball, getting playing a lot of small sided, um, like small spaces, lots of pressure. Yeah. And uh, being around those guys, a uh, couple of them are playing pro right now. Uh, we're, we're some of the top players in New York. Being around those guys uh, really got me back into kind of falling in love with the game again and, and, and seeing, uh, you know, just how, how why I started playing in the first place, just the joy it brought me. Mm, right. And then um, – yeah, so yeah, I was playing there, and, and I remember one thing that the, the coach said, uh, the trainer, he said, you know, we're going to be playing in a lot of big tournaments in, in, on the weekend, so don't try during your high school trainings and high school games. And uh, I just took that into heart, and I was like, all right, like, now you know academies don't let their, you know, players play yeah. in high school. Mm-hmm. So he was trying to get into that vibe. Right. Yeah. Um, and – yeah, so he, so I just had that in my mind, and I think I, I, I was, uh, I did well on on JV. Um, I had the chance to go up to varsity for a couple of trainings, but they didn't, you know, pick me up. Um, I ended up like I was playing as a attacking midfielder, did well, scored a lot of goals. Tenth grade, I ended up playing varsity, and that's when I quote had my season where I didn't try. And looking back now, it was the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life like I would go to trainings and and like I would just like half-ass it I was like literally given 50 60 percent mm-hmm. and just so I could come to because I was doing the high school trainings and then the club trainings just so I could come to club trainings fresh mm-hmm. but now looking back at it it was like why did I do that man like why and obviously the guy had good intentions but it wasn't the right way to approach it mm-hmm. now especially at that age yeah yeah, exactly. And, and now kind of my mindset, which we'll get into later, like all this stupid stuff that I've done has literally, it's like been zero to 100. Mm. Now my mindset is every day is game day, you know, no matter what, where I'm at, you know, I'm trying to be the best player there and, and mm-hmm. get value out of this training. Cause mm-hmm. you know, time is everything. So yeah. first of all, I want to enjoy it and I want to make mm-hmm. the most of my time. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, because yeah, I mean, so you truly, you truly never know when it's gonna, when it's gonna end. You know, these times. So, one hundred percent, man. I was talking with a friend on the phone the other day, and and and, um, I had just recently, I've been out eight nine months. I had a sports hernia surgery. He's out now with an injury, and it just like you said, you realize after those times, you realize first of all how grateful you are to play the game, mm-hmm. and then second of all, like just you got to make the most of everything because you never know when it's going to be your last go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think so often, I mean, especially in our sport, it's, you're so focused on the result and so focused on your performance and everything that you forget, like you're kicking a ball and just enjoy it. I mean, what the, at the end of the day, the stress levels are really not that, I mean, we go through a lot, but it's at the end of the day, we play a game. For sure. For sure. Yeah, and, and then things like, you know, what happened with Christian Erickson puts things in a perspective, man. Like, 100%, yeah. Dude, li- life is, is the most important. And I remember I posted something on Instagram about it. I forgot what it was. I got something like a weird reaction. I was like, 
you know, football is life and football is everything and it's what we love. But this shows you that football isn't everything, you know, Mm -hmm. life is the most important. Having life, having breath, uh, being able to see and and, and be grateful for the little things is what matters. And Mm -hmm. I got like some younger guys, you know, oh, football's on life. It's everything. You know how it is. Like, and I was like, I'm trying to make a point here, guys, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The the grind culture is especially big right now. And I think especially 100%. in the youth. I mean, we love, you know, guys like David Goggins and stuff, but yeah. I always say you gotta take these guys just with a little yeah. grain of salt because it's sure. it's it's not a sustainable way to think about yeah. life for ever. Oh, for sure, for sure. No, I love you know, I love you, uh you guys love Jocko as well. And dude, he's a legend. Like all those guys are legends, but absolutely, like you said, like <laughs> First of all, Goggins, that guy, he, he's, uh, he doesn't play a professional sport. He doesn't play a sport where you, the mind is the most important. Um, like be, the mind being fresh, the nervous system being fresh. So yeah, you can push through those times in, in football. The most important thing is decision-making. So we gotta, we gotta listen to our body, you know? Right. That's a good right. point. That's a really good point. And there's a difference um, between the two. Now, yeah. Eric, I wanted to jump in to you went to University of Buffalo. Yeah, correct. So you went to University of Buffalo for one year, and then you made the jump to leave to go to Europe, right? Yes. Yeah. How how did you come about that decision? Because that's obviously a tough decision. I know after my first year of college, like there was maybe talks about I was going to transfer somewhere else. But like, it's difficult to jump to a new place at that age. I was 18. For sure. And like, it's always easier to stay where you are. How did you decide, like, I'm going to leave the country after playing one year of college? Yeah, so um, let's bring it back a little. Like, I I had gone to, like, some summer camps when I was, like, I think 15, 16. Um, you know, my parents wanted to kind of get me used to living away from home. Uh, I was doing, like, some summer camps in Massachusetts. And I remember the the first camp I went to, this was, like, I think the first time being away from home. I called my parents crying, like, you got to come pick me up, you know, <laughs> feeling homesick, like after a week, you know, and um, whatever, they made me stay out there, you know, I, I pushed through it. And uh, yeah, so going back to the Germany experience, basically, I, I think I had, I was just like researching, you know, because um, I think when I was going into college, I just wanted to have like a little bit of a training stint in Europe uh, to to get ready for college, get ready for preseason. And um, I, I was doing some research and I found this agency, it's called IFX. I don't even know if it still exists, but it's like an agency that where you pay like a good, a decent amount of money, uh, but they hook you up with, with a visa. We know is huge. They hook you up with a, with a language school and they hook you up with apartment. So it's basically a, a year where they help you, um, you know, get into, assimilate into the culture mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, help you learn the German culture and the German football vibes, especially when coming from America and, and American um, type systems, just how different it is. Mm. And um, I ended up doing a, I think it was a two month summer program the year I, before I went into college. And, 
yeah, I really enjoyed it, man. Like I was, I was, they hooked me up with a Landesliga team, uh, in, 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 uh, Nuremberg, Bavaria. So six league. And you know how it is when you first get over there, you're like, yo, like put me in the Bundesliga, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they, they hooked me up with a, with a six league side. I was living with a couple guys in an apartment. Uh, and we were just, you know, doing the trial, kind of the trial training type thing. We would train in the morning with the, I would say there was like 20 guys there from all around the world. A lot of American guys, a couple African guys, a couple Asian guys. We would train in the morning and then go to these clubs in the afternoon. And, you know, when they send you to a six league club, you're like, damn, I don't want to go to six league. Mm. You get over there and you're like, wow, these guys can ball. You know, they, you know, they're not in the best shape. Uh, exactly but, yeah as, as we know but they they know the game they know the mm. game they're better on the ball than than most american players especially during that time and uh yeah i was i think i was 19 so you know the physical physicality with some guys was good and you know i yeah so i did that month did that two months really enjoyed it there were a couple there were two teams i remember who wanted me to stay wanted me to sign in the sixth league and you know, I, I was already committed to university and, you know, they were offering like a couple hundred euros. And I just, at, at that time, you don't realize the, the value. And I, I actually look like, I don't really like to say that I regret anything, but it would have been interesting if I took that opportunity right away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I ended up going back. I played in college. Um, I was playing as, as, as a defensive mid at the time. And yeah, I mean, best social experience of my life, like made so many friends, like tons of girls. And it, it was enjoyable. Like it was, it was great. Like being at the University of Buffalo, like I had a bunch of my high school boys who were in the frats at the time. And I also had my soccer boys. So, you know, you can go to both parties, right. you can mix. Oh, with it sounds like a that. great setup. Yeah. Oh, it was unbelievable. <laughs> it was unbelievable. But like before that, I kind of had done the transition. So when I was like 16, 17, when I went to Lake Grove, I didn't say that, I didn't say this. I was one of the worst players. And um, I would say I was starting maybe 50% of the games. I wasn't a regular starter. And that was like the first time, like I told you, I kind of took like a sabbatical for two, three years. Didn't really care. Thought I was some hot shot. And that was kind of a wake up call that dude, you got to get your, your, your stuff together. And, um, yeah, that's when I started like investing into the additional work and, and really reading up on every single thing that you can do to optimize your performance, things you can control. That's what I kind of got obsessed with the, uh, the training realm, the nutrition realm. Um, and yeah, so when I went to college, like I kind of lost that, like I had been quote disciplined, pretty disciplined for two years. Had, had like kind of changed my body, changed the way how I felt. I was improving myself as a player and a person. And when I went to college, I fell back into kind of the loop of uh, the party scene. And the thing with me is I always tell people, um, as, we, as we all know, like environment's huge. Like, so for me, environment is big, but like when I am in an environment where it's like a party scene, it'll suck me in, you know? Mm, mm-hmm. So that's why like now I've really learned wherever I live, I like to live in like kind of the middle of nowhere, like not a big city, do my work during the week, have a good match and then spend one, two days in the, in the big city, enjoy myself with some friends, 
come back and that's how I like to do it now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I, like I said, you know, made a lot of friends, did pretty, did okay in college. Same thing was starting like 50 to 60% of the games. Wasn't a regular starter. Um, and then I had, you know, I had wanted to do the Germany experience again, cause I really enjoyed it. Like it was just a great experience. Um, just seeing how big football is over there. Like it's just yeah. literally you guys, I've watched a ton of your episodes. I, you know, I love your podcast by the way. And uh, you know, I love how you talk about like, you know, there's so many things that I could relate. That's why I like it. And you always talk about how like, you know, you're in Germany and, and everyone's talking about football. You turn on, mm. there's four or five channels with football and, and it's just always in your mind. And it's yeah. just such a difference than being in the U.S., yeah. especially yeah, so at different. that time. It was like, mm-hmm. what, 2017, right. 2018? Mm-hmm. Football wasn't big. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, so I made the jump back out and same experience. Then they had put me with, uh, they had known me and they thought I was a decent player. So they put me with some fifth league teams. And, uh, yeah, like same thing. I was planning on going back my sophomore year of college. I had a girlfriend at the time who I was with for like a year or something. And I remember the exact moment that I made the decision to stay in Germany. My plan was to go back to, to the U S I had trialed and trained with a couple teams and, and enjoyed the environments. And, uh, I remember I was with one of my friends, we were walking on like the main strip in Nuremberg. 20 years old and I said to my friend like you know unfortunately I can't do this you know I you know I'm too old uh I'm gonna have to I want to marry a a girl in Europe and and raise my kids in Europe so my son can do it for me you know so I went back home that night and uh man I was on a routine of like you know those perfect push-up handles I had them in yeah yeah I was like ripping those like at night at like 10, 10 PM, like every night as a routine of like 200 pushups. Uh, and I remembered like, you know, after you get a good session in, like the hormones are flowing, the dopamine's oh, going, yeah. adrenaline's going. That's how this podcast was created. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know you guys love the whoop. Post-workout uh, vibes. Yeah, dude. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. And I was just like, yo, can we curse on this podcast? Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, and I was just like, fuck it. I'm doing this myself, you know? <laughs> and I, I remember I sent an email to my coach. Uh, I was like, I forgot what the email was. I got to dig this up sometime. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I'm in Germany right now. I had spoken to him. He was, um, from New Zealand, uh, and like had some European roots, like in England. So he knew the vibe. I had spoken with him before that I was in Germany. He liked it. So I discussed that I was going back again. I told him, you know, I'm in Germany, I've gotten an opportunity and, uh, you know, I'm 20 years old and the way I look at it now, and you guys always talk about it, it's like, man, you could be a, you can always go back to school. You could always be a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, whatever you want to be at any age, but you can't be as fit as we are and as young as we are. And just how much we learn out here, man, like Mm. it's unbelievable compared to the classroom. I was like, I got to take this opportunity. And I, that was it. I did it. Um, kind of let the, let, you know, my girlfriend know, you know, that lasted like three weeks and then that was finished. 
And then I was on my journey. I was on the, the, the journey and that's where everything kind of started. Amazing. That's unreal. That is unreal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I don't even know where to start. First off, I couldn't help but think is like, you know how you were talking about like your friends used to call you foot fairies and stuff like the same thing with me, but like, yeah. I don't even think a German person could understand that if you tried to explain them because here yes. football is the man sport. Oh yeah. Like women don't play football here. You know, women play tennis. Mm-hmm, but it's like mm-hmm. in America, it's interesting. <laughs> going in high yeah. school and middle school, it's like, oh, yeah, foot. I don't know. Dylan, did you have that in your school? That was a big yeah, Long Island. Well, thing. luckily, most of my friends played soccer. Okay. But yeah, I did get like from surrounding groups. Yeah, foot fairy, foot fairy. You know, that's a big yeah. American thing is you play soccer, Crazy. you're a foot fairy. It's Crazy. Crazy. But, but if then you this... even call it soccer in Europe, they, they shun you. you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 100%. But then the second part of your story, I thought it was hilarious, is like, so you're walking down the strip of Nuremberg, 20 years old, and you're like, man, I'm too old. I'll have my kid do this for me. Exactly, exactly. And now I know that uh, I don't have kids till I'm like 32, you know, so. I'm I mean, what, of a, what a turn of events in that. That was all in yeah. one night, correct? Yeah. I mean, shout so, out I mean, perfect between, push-up. Yeah, shout yeah, out man. perfect push-ups. Yeah, man. Honestly. <laughs> oh, man, that's a quite a turnaround. So, I mean, but did you have any notion that you kind of wanted to pursue soccer? I mean, even back in high school, I know you were falling in and out of love with the game, but did it take for you to, you know, be out in a place like Germany that kind of loved the game as much as you to be like, okay, I, I have to do this and I can do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think when I, you know, I was, one of the better players until I kind of took that sabbatical came back played for Lake Grove I was one of the worst players and um you know thinking back like I said not playing high school to my fullest ability was, was the dumbest thing I've ever and people will ask why and the main reason is I was the main guy in high school you know mm. And uh, when I was, you know, 10th grade, I wasn't, I was, you know, I was a starter, but wasn't the main guy, but 11th, 12th grade, I was the main guy. And um, I think something that's super underrated is you got to, like I said before, you got to take advantage of every opportunity, but especially like when you're um, a big fish in a small pond, it's huge. Cause like, you know, you, you, uh, you become a leader you become, you're an influence to the other guys, to the younger guys, to, to the other, you know, generations. And um, I, I wish I had taken more advantage of that, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, can't, can't second think things, but um, yeah, like, like I said before, you just got to take advantage of every opportunity, but yeah, like, we, you know, we all know, like, when, when you're playing good football, like, that's when you feel your best. You really just feel, I don't know, it's it's just an indescribable experience. Like you just feel so good on the pitch. You're just in such a flow, like the mental state. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I mean, that's why, you know, sometimes I get these messages like about like nerves and we all have nerves and everything, but I don't know. I, I try, I'm trying to really, get to the you know i'm not a sports psychologist or anything but i always like to look into different areas but i always get these questions of like how do you quote uh cure the nerves or how do you uh, get over the nerves and and 
I try to give like people practical tips and everything like to, you know, start slowly, just get your passes going. Um, but I think once you just like, when you find that flow, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like that flow getting into a game. And, um, you know, just those emotions are everything. So I know, you know, playing good football and, and coming off the pitch after just working your ass off for 90 minutes, there's no greater feeling, you know, getting three points, playing a good game. And when I went over to Europe and I just saw these big stadiums and I saw like, man, even in, in, in regional league or fourth league and third league, just the fans and just the, the emotions you get for the passion that these people have is incredible. Mm. So mm. after that experience, yeah, I did come back to the U S and I kind of saw this college system and, you know, you go into the weight room with these football coaches, these American football coaches, Oh, test your max. What's your max? You write it down. Give me a break. Test my max. I hate that stuff, man. <laughs> the numbers, man. Uh, I was literally on the phone with someone the other day and, and, you know, it's a new client of mine. She's a girl. And, and I asked her what her main goal was. And she told me, and in the beginning of the conversation, she told me that her, I asked her what her main strength was. And she said her, her um, game intelligence, her tactical ability her long range passing, her passing ability. And she's a uh, number eight or a number six. So plays in the midfield. And as we both know, that's huge in Europe. You got to have game intelligence. You got to make the right decisions. And I asked her, you know, what's your main goal with the, with the program that we're about to start? And she said to me, um, I want to increase my numbers on squat, deadlift and bench. And I just said to myself, I was like, I laughed like a little and I said, I'm sorry to laugh, but I, I just got to tell you the truth. Like you got to embrace the game intelligence and the, the long range passing and that stuff more than the, the numbers of the bench squat and deadlift and that, you know, that it's great. It's great. But it's such I an American her, thing though. You're right. It's so American, exactly, the numbers. Exactly. I told her, you know, you like in Europe, you would be praised, but it's just so sad where the culture, you know, it's evolving, of course, but where the culture is in, 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 in football and soccer in America. And I said to her, you know, I said, um, to tell you the truth, you know, the first phase or two, when we first start, everything's about movement. I don't care about your, how, how heavy your lifts are. I care more about how well you move through every, every exercise that I prescribe, because the most important thing for us is I want you to be in total control of your body in space. Mm -hmm. And I want you to have full range of motion in, in different positions. Mm. Um, and we're not just, we're not just, you know, doing bilateral things all the time. We're on one leg and we're moving through different ranges of motion. And, you know, I've had so many conversations over the past few years and, um, one thing that I really love is when I, I've spoken to a lot of top physical therapists and they always talk about like, we've talked, now we see these, the knee over toes guy before we learned that you never want to put your knee over your toe. Right. But now we learn that the, like being able to be in those weird positions and actually control that range is the biggest thing. Right. And that's mm -hmm. why I, why with my you know, clients who are kind of, you know, some are beginners, but whoever it is, I even pros, I start with like simple, basic movement patterns because I told her the most important thing is I want you to be on the pitch. 
I don't want you to get injured. Uh, you know, you can optimize performance all you want, but if you're on the bench and you're not getting game time, that does me no good. That does us no good. Right. Um, well, I, I've really gone on a tangent. Here. No, no, this is, this is incredible. Uh, because, I mean, we can, we can cycle back to country yeah. places you play. Let's stay on this because this is something Dylan and I have always, I mean, for years now, uh, probably since I've been 15 or 16, I saw my older brother figuring out the best ways, trying new things. And what is the best way for a footballer specific to what we're doing? What is the best way to train? Now, you've, you've come a long way from when you started till now. What are some things you were doing wrong at first to now what you're doing now with, in terms mm-hmm, of, mm-hmm. of weightlifting and stuff in the gym, and things outside of football, outside of training? Love that question. First thing, first thing when I first got started in the training, uh, I was 15. I was reading the bodybuilding magazines, the men's fitness. Classic. The, yeah. yeah, the you know, all that BS and man, my idols were like these jacked guys. And, and I was a footballer, you know? And the first thing I remember, I came out to Germany and I was training his, the coach's name was Manny. He was, um, I think he was like Bosnian Serbian origin, really good guy Gr- played in the, I think second Bundesliga, uh, for FC Nuremberg, uh, was a striker or forgot, maybe a left back actually. And he said to me, he's like, Eric, like you have, I think I was, when I forget, this was the first time when I went over to Germany, he was training the, the IFX guys, the, the agency group. Um, and he said, you know, Eric, you know, you could see you're, you're very good on the ball. You have good potential, but dude, you look like a damn bodybuilder. You look like a tank, man. <laughs> I was like 175, 180 pounds. Like I was pretty deezed, you know? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And I just, I was like, why? You don't think this is going to help me on the field? And he's like, no, you, you're like a tank, you know? It's like, you can't even turn your neck. Exactly. Exactly. So from there, oh, so the biggest mistake was I was trying to look good for the girls instead of perform well on the pitch. Mm. Um, because you know how it is when you first get in, you start seeing those results in the Meridan, you start seeing, you know, two, three, four abs. You're like, damn, of course. You know? So cutting that body fat and uh, yeah, I just, I took that in what he said and I was like, all right, I'm going all in. Uh, And the thing with me is like, I'm either all in or all out. So when I, from like that guy, you know, I always believe like you got to take advice from people who have, you know, done what you want to do and who are, have experience in that area. And man, this guy played second Bundesliga. Uh, you know, he's, st- he's 55. He's still like, you know, shredded up fit. You know, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go back. And I-, I didn't tell you guys, but I first, when I first came into college, I was majoring in pre-dentistry because my mom wanted me to be a dentist. And, um, you know, I, I like, you know, I like keeping my teeth nice. I like nice teeth on chicks, but I was like, nah, I, I cannot be a dentist. You know, <laughs> that's just not me. So I had always been, you know, like I said, I had gotten into training at 15. So I switched into um, sports science. And, you know, basically through the years, I, I finished online. And, uh, you know, I got into the degree. I finished online. I had actually paused college when I went over to Germany. I had gotten into the degree, uh, started my sophomore year online because of what this guy said. 
And from there, I just like a whole rabbit hole of things like um, dove in from the college standpoint, from the theoretical standpoint in the books. But the most valuable thing has been the practical standpoint, learning from people out here, learning from mentors uh, online, from mentors that I've met in the U.S. And uh, yeah, I mean, so like I said, the first mistake was the, was, was the uh, aesthetics part. And then the second mistake, why I had my surgery is, like you said, Dylan, the, the, the culture of TNDO and the grind culture. I came over to, to, to Germany at 19 and I said, you know, these, these young kids, they've spent their time in the academies. I'm going to get my time back. I was literally training, no lie, seven, eight hours a day at high intensity, six days a week at 19 years old. I had a buddy that was doing it with me. Uh, he was genetically just more gifted than I was uh, physically, like uh, same level technique wise, but just like could recover so much quicker than, than I could. And so the second mistake is I would push through bad, like pain that isn't um, muscular, that isn't muscular pain, that it's more joint pain and wasn't listening to the body. So that second biggest thing is not listening to the body and trying to be a, a Goggins, that's why I brought it up, trying to be a Goggins or a Jocko uh, and, and push through that pain. And, and th I think that's my second mistake. Um, mm. Third mistake was not, not playing enough pickup as a young kid. Wish I did that. But, you know, as we know in the States, it's not as accessible. Yeah, we're products of our environment at the end of the day, too. Exactly. Um, I mean, that's really all I could think of right now. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the rest, the rest one, like just to even bring this point back even more is that the, it's, I think it's starting to get come back to it now. You know, there's a lot of things that calculated a lot of things like the whoop strap that we have. There's other devices so you got that really ring, encourage. Right? Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I, I want to ask you about that too is, I yeah. mean, it's, it's kind of similar in the fact where, it's heavily promoting good sleep and what it can do for your recovery. Am I wrong? Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the good, these are the good things that are coming up about sleep, but I mean, still with like the Navy seal culture, which again, I love, and I take many aspects of it because there's so much of your, to your body that you don't think you can accomplish, but you can, you know, you can unlock mm. those, those extra levels, but mm. people have to understand that, you can't be your best unless you're sleeping, unless you're recovering. Yes. So like, yes. I mean, those miles that you put on your body and on your legs at such a young age is so crazy damaging. Yes. It, especially. And, and that's what I think we don't realize. Like, um, like I said before, time is everything. And that's why like these European, you know, kids, like when they, when they start playing at a high level, like 15, 16 in a structured environment with people who know the game from a physical standpoint, tactical and technical standpoint, it's a, such a disadvantage to us because yeah. we come out over here and we quote lost time. But then we think, so like I said, I came over with this American mindset of grind, grind, grind that I learned from, you know, on Instagram or wherever I learned it. Uh, and, you know, it, 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 you know, I'm grateful for that mindset, but it kind of did me harm. Um, mm. So, you know, technically during that time and physically, I got so much better. But 
you know, over after those, you know, until I had my surgery, like I was just over, like I had learned to kind of dial it back. But one of the things I always love to tell like Europeans is I'm super grateful for the mindset I come over here with as an American, but I'm also grateful for the more relaxed and chill vibe they have here because it gives us a nice balance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and it's all about that balance. I mean, you did you say you just got your surgery recently though, right? Yeah, uh, January twenty twenty one. And how is how is your recovery from that going? Are you you back to full fit? Yeah, unbelievable, man, unbelievable. I'm so grateful for the surgeon and and the physical therapists and that I work with, the strength coaches I work with. Um, I so after we'll get into it later, maybe, but like. After Germany, I had went over to Sweden, mm-hmm. um, and that's when I kind of started experiencing the pain. Uh, mm. Like at 23, I'm 26 mm-hmm. now, um, and you know I was still, you know, I don't know if I was pushing through the pain. I didn't think it was something major, you know. Yeah. What was it yeah. like? Is something up high in your groin? It's just like tight. It was like in the, you know, like the the external obliques they come down yeah. into the pubis yeah mm-hmm. I, I had like some inflammation like on my right side especially a little on my left side but uh it was like a it looked like a bulge coming out of my like not a big bulge everyone mm-hmm. used to tell me like it was muscle they told me it was muscle but i i kept saying like it was there's something going on here because mm-hmm. you know over those years where i was studying like i was like Still, I'm obsessed. Like, instead of listening to, to music, I'm listening to podcasts and audio books from top guys who, who are into the field. And I just really am grateful to have developed a good relationship with my body. And, and I'm sure you two guys are the same. And you know when something's wrong. You know, yeah. I was like, something's wrong here, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So you, play, you played with that for four years? that same that pain? yeah three four years so so it wasn't pain. in the beginning it wasn't pain it was like a dull weird sensation mm-hmm. and uh you know it would come and go come and go i was doing my recovery my stretching i was you know doing everything i could to help the body heal and it really started it really gave me trouble when i was uh after lockdown when i was uh i think that was like a year and a half ago uh, you know, we were doing the training at home and, um, one of, you know, one of the biggest problems that I see is some of these, these, and not to bash anyone, but like the physical trainers, uh, the conditioning coaches at the clubs, you know, they got a lot of these things on YouTube, um, and they just, they just put you through it, you know, and, and, uh, I had just come off like doing lockdown training, you know, and, and. We, we go back into full team training. I think it was in October of 2020. Uh, season started late. We were just getting into friendlies. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of like getting a good warm up in, proper activation, things like that. And uh, I had always like asked like the strength, the, the conditioning coach, like uh, I would appreciate if I could get like an extra five, 10 minutes, you know? And I got you know, I got yelled at from the, the head coach that I need to do what the team does. So I was like, all right, no, whatever, no problem. Boom, we get into it. Man, we do like a one, two minute warm up. 
we get into sprints like right away. And I'm like, nah, this is not good, man. This is not good. And like all my teammates, they like know about my brand. They know that I know a little bit about this stuff and I study this stuff. And, uh, like they, they always came up to me and they were like, you got to tell them, you got to tell them. And this is one of the things like as a footballer, like I don't want to bring quote my other knowledge in and try to correct anyone else. I want to be as humble as possible wherever I go. And if any strength coach even like asks me, and maybe it's a fault of my own, but I don't want to, you know how it is like in the football culture, you don't want to damage relationships. Mm-hmm. So they asked me like, they asked me like, how is it? Is it good? Is it good? I'm like, yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. Like, it's like far from good. You know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so like we did these trainings and then like the first preseason game we had, I was like, something, it's back, like something's going on and it's on both sides now. And just at the end, like after my third friendly, I, I came off the pitch after 45 and I was like, I, I, you know, I need a rest. And, and then I called my parents. I was like, I need to come home. I need to, I need to sort this out. Um, and, and yeah, I, I ended up seeing, I think seven, eight cert- different surgeons. Uh, I first had tried it with like, I went back home and I like tried it with a physical therapist and strength and conditioning coach who uh, were like super knowledgeable, fantastic guys. Uh, and it just, it wasn't, wasn't getting any better. I was doing these, oh my God, these, these shots, like the needle, like into, into like trigger point oh, shots shit. into mm. directly into the pubis, into the groin. I was, I was trying every area not to get surgery. Cause I'm a very like big into holistic. I don't want, like, I wanted to try everything I could to get away from changing my biomechanics, the way I move naturally. But I just said, like, I just like had a serious conversation, you know, with, you know, my parents, you know, myself. And I was like, I got to do it. And, you know, it's been the best decision so far. I haven't had any pain yet. You know, I'm going to knock mm, on some wood. Amazing. Uh, and, and you know i've come back i appreciate it i've come back better than i was and i was like wow mm. this is this is unbelievable you know so incredible amazing i want to come back um to just talk about the transitions between germany to sweden and then was it sweden to israel and then israel to latvia yeah. so we could mm-hmm. go into those i mean uh, we sure. get ask questions all the time about how to get into places and being your own agent. So I would love to hear about, you know, the specifics of how you got into these places. Yeah. No, before I get into that, I love like some of the topics you have on, um, you know, I, uh, like the be your own agent, uh, the, uh, you are your own advertisement, all that stuff. Like I preach that all the time. It's Mm -hmm. huge. It's huge. So Um, important. Oh, it's unbelievable. And, and like I said before, it's like, we learn, this is how I try to compare, like tell people, you know, you are, you are your own asset. So if you were a business, I would like, you got to make your asset as, as, as good and shiny as possible. So like, (laughs) I always try to try to, you know, influence on the younger generation and even my age and older is you got to do everything in your control to make yourself as, as, as good as possible when you get onto the pitch as resilient as possible and um you know you know being able to to do that and, and market yourself i think is so big in, in in like just learning how to communicate with people 
how to, how to present different things. Um, and, and I, I think just being able to, to build relationships with people um, and, and you guys have said it before. I love it. Like build relationships with people, not just to get something out of it. No, build, build relationships, real relationships with people. So you build friends that don't be like one of those, those fake guys, just like Gary V always says it. Like, man, I forgot the exact term, but he always says like, don't give to, to receive. Get re yeah, exactly. Something like that. Yeah. So, um, Wow, what what did you even ask me, man? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, nah, I love we love the tangents, by the way. Like this is the perfect yeah. place to like just yeah. expand the thoughts. But yeah. um, we were talking about the transitions between, between uh, Germany leaving to Sweden, then Sweden uh, yeah. to yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so so Germany, uh, I played there like two and a half years, and then. Um, yeah, I was trying to make a jump to Sweden because uh, I had heard a lot of good things about how, how uh, you know, Swedish, Finnish, uh, Danish, Norwegian, those Scandinavian countries treated Americans. And I, I heard, mm -hmm. had heard the visa was a bit easier over there. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, these combines. So um, I, I discovered PSC. Okay. Uh, I think I went over there. I did a, a combine in Florida when I was yeah, 22. And, uh, you know, did pretty well. Like they knew I was playing in Germany and like, there were a couple, like a uh, couple people interested in me over there. But one guy was like, really wanted to take me under his wing. Uh, it was like this agent in Sweden and, um, you know, bringing it back to, to, to these, th that summer camp at 16, when I cried, now I was moving all over the place. I didn't care. Yeah. So. You tell you give me an opportunity, I'm there. I'm buying a ticket, I'm there, you know. And uh, he was like, "Yeah, like you know, I thought you were a solid player. I want to try to get you into the the third tier in Sweden, Division One." And uh, yeah, he brought me on. He brought me in. I think he like let me stay at his house. Like real chill guy, you know. Uh, and you know, he was he asking for money at this point? He, so I did, I did pay him a thousand bucks straight up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Paid him a thousand bucks. And, um, you know, now like, I don't know, I'm in between of like paying agents. I was at the point where I didn't, I was, I was a nobody like, yeah, I'd played in Germany a bit, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, I, I'm a, I'm like in between. So like, I, I saw it as a good opportunity. He wasn't like, I didn't feel he was just trying to get the money. Like for me, now that I know as, as quote, a businessman, like time is money. Like I want to, of course, I'm going to give course, him his sure. money. He's going to be on the phone for me and, and trying mm -hmm. to get me mm -hmm. deals and trials. Mm -hmm. I think it's worth it. And I thought it was a mm -hmm. respectable thing to do. Like even, even like with friends, like I always tell them like, y'all pay you for your time. Cause I just know how it is, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 Um, no, hundred percent. I totally agree with you too. With agents, I've been asked actually a week ago, I was, I was on the phone with a kid and he was like, should I get an agent? Like, should I pay an agent? And I was like, I mean, there's no yes or no to that. I know right. we preach the be your own agent thing. And I think that's just yes. so important to embody yourself. And like you said, like you're a business, you're an asset, but if you can pay an agent and he can do something for you and there's a level of trust there, like what this guy, I mean, I'm sure you'll explain a little bit more, but it, 
sometimes, yeah, sometimes it is the right move. So I think it just depends. Yeah, exactly. No, there were, so like from this trial, there were three people that reached out to me and, and, you know, I think one of, one of my, one of my gifts or whatever it is, like I'm a big guy into trusting my gut. Mm. And like, I had a good feeling about this guy. He wasn't giving me the, the rah, rah and the bullshit. Uh, he was telling the truth and I could, you know, just tell looking into his eyes that he was a reasonable guy. Um, and, uh, yeah. And like, like you said, I think it's just about like, it's also, um, you know, you, you, you kind of take the the pressure off yourself to find the team. So you kind of like, all right, you worry about your, your getting fit. He worries about finding the team. And, and then, you know, like a thousand bucks, isn't a big, big fee for that. You know, um, I think Sean and I have talked before, like I was at one point, I was like on soccer way, just like throw like yeah. a thousand emails and you get like what you get, what yeah. email back. Yeah. And it's like, you know, reaching out right. on Facebook pages. And this is what you're paying for when you pay an agent. Exactly. I mean, you hope yeah. exactly. when the you find the right You pay person. for their connections really. Right. Exactly. Right. And what, what he did was i actually forgot to say this. Uh, once I found the team, he, he gave me the money back and then he, he got 10% off my contract. So that's how it worked. And I like that, that uh, yeah. thing. So I like yeah. that too. It's he, a good, was that in writing get, beforehand? Yes. He guaranteed okay. to find me a contract. Then I would give him the money back and then boom. So, yeah. yeah. So that's how it worked. He hooked me up with like four solid teams, division one. Um, three of the teams wanted to sign me. One of the teams just didn't want to. And um, like I said before, I'm a big guy on gut feeling. I ended up signing with this team, uh, Knee Shopping. Um, they had a they had a, uh, a head coach who knew one of my club coaches and they had an assistant coach who was an American. And um, I went in there and I just loved it. Like great environment, great vibes. And, you know, these other two teams, they were offering me a better, better deal. But, you know, like I said before, like I went on gut feeling and environment and good vibes and I signed over there. Awesome. Was this in, was this in division one? All the teams were in division one, division one, division one. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a solid, you know, and actually going over is talking about transition. You know, I, I had said to myself, you know, this is when Sweden was kind of on the come up, you know, mm -hmm. um, in terms of, of football. And, and I was like, I don't think these guys are going to be that great and great level, great level in Sweden, division one very fit guys take care of their bodies, um, professional environment. Like I said, you know, people are in there doing their activation in the beginning. We had an ice bath, sauna, all the stuff, nice gym. Uh, and, and guys wanted to get to the next level. That was the biggest thing. That's what really kind of, you know, turned me on to the club. You know, there were about 10 guys who really wanted to get to the next level. And right now, I think from that team, there are, uh, five guys, four guys playing in the first league and Al Svenskin. Mm. Um, and then Sean, you know, Andrew, John Baptiste, yeah. he's, he's, you know, playing in the Canadian premier league. So it was a great, great level, great environment, uh, and a great time. And, um, how long so were you there for? Great. I was there for, for one year. 
Okay. Um, and then I, so I had actually came out to Latvia uh, after that season when I was 24. Um, and I, I had trained with uh, two clubs in the first, in the first, uh, in the first league, because actually the, you know, the, the captain of the team that I'm playing at right now, uh, he's like, he's a good friend, but he was actually, like we've talked about, he, he was a, um, a good friend of my coach, uh, in Germany, my assistant coach where I first played. So he hooked me up with that setup and, uh, yeah, so I came over here at 24, uh, did, did well for this team, uh, in like on the border of Russia, I was about to sign and uh i i like they were about to sign me then they went to go check like my european status you know and uh just i had overstayed my welcome so i had gotten like i had gotten on the phone with a bunch of people and they told me like if i don't leave i'm gonna get banned from europe for like five years mm. so i was like i was like all right i you know i obviously got to make a move out of here and and uh you know being on this journey for so long, I also was doing podcasts. I had Sean on, Dylan, I need to get you on. But uh, <laughs> anytime. Yeah, I, I was doing like, like I, I'll reach out to anyone. So like I went on Yanks Abroad um, yeah. and like, and I had researched because one of my good friends was playing out in Israel. And um, he, he told me that, you know, good, good level. He said, I would love it out there. Um, and he said, you know, he, he wanted me to come visit him in Tel Aviv. And I ended up, you know, I ended up visiting him in Tel Aviv in April. I think this was 2019 about places, an absolute dream. And, uh, I, I, I went back to, uh, to the U S and I'm eligible for a passport in Israel. So got that passport within three weeks. Boom, I was oh, back out in Israel. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I was on that. I was there for a year. Incredible. How was that? How was that? How was the league? How were the players? How was the, the environment in Israel? <laughs> oh, man. Absolute jungle. <laughs> Absolute jungle. <laughs> We've heard oh, that like, from Evan. You have no. Evan that in here. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Explained yeah. a little bit about it. You, this place, like, oh, man, like Israel, like, you go over there and like, you could either find someone who is the biggest piece of, uh, piece of shit or your best friend. Like you'll go walk on the street. You'll meet someone, talk to them for like a couple minutes and they'll invite you to Shabbat dinner on, on a Friday night. And then f for those people listening, you don't know what that is. It's, it's the Sabbath, you know, uh, rest and relaxation. One of the best things in Israel, like you just have a great, like unbelievable meal. You sit down with like friends, family, uh, eat like a good meal, talk about how the week went. Uh, so Friday, Saturday in Israel is off. Sunday is the start of the week. Um, so yeah, in terms of like people wise, like, like I said, you could find either greater piece of, of shit. So um, in the football world, so I went over there and, and I was, so I'm a pretty friendly guy. Like I'll talk to anyone. Like I, I enjoy conversations. Uh, as you can see, I, I just talk my, my ass <laughs> off. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I, um, 
went over there and, you know, made a lot of good friends right away. And people asked me like, what am I doing there? They were like, I told them I was playing football and like, they looked at me like I was just like a dirt bag. Mm. And I was like, what's going on here? Like, why are they doing this? And, and, um, I think, let's see what happened over there. Oh, the agents there, another level, man. I met, so I, I, I did, I did the, so before I went over there, when I had got kicked out of Europe, whatever, I was on LinkedIn. I was doing my LinkedIn grind. Uh, so I know this. Went, went on LinkedIn, Israel soccer agents. Boom. I three, I must've like 300, you know, in, I, I spent 10 hours in one sitting just 300 emails. I was just a copy, paste, send, copy, paste, send. Yes, exactly. Change the name. Yeah, change the name. Exactly. And then like, talk about investment. I had to invest in LinkedIn premium. I was just like, just for a month. So I could send another investment. I haven't heard that one. I've never heard of anyone investing in LinkedIn premium. I respect that. Yeah. Yeah. I had to go. They still try to sell me on that (laughs) until this day. But um, yeah, I, I met yeah, I, I met with like six agents uh, over there. Wow, some of these, some of these agents. Like, I went into one of those agents. Um, he le- he worked in like one of the nicest buildings in Tel Aviv, and uh, I went into to his uh, his office, and uh, we just started talking. And 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 I was like, um, do I have to pay you for the service? And he had like a beautiful office, like he did like something else like his main job was something else he did like the agent thing because he enjoyed it on the side mm-hmm. i asked him if i had to pay for it. he's like you uh you think i need your money look look, look at my office <laughs> you think i need your money i said no i'm just asking before we get yeah started. like yeah i need the i need to know these things yeah he's like he's like you know how much money i make a month and i, I don't want to know i don't really care you know yeah, yeah. just interested in you know <laughs> football how much so. yeah i'm interested in if this is going to cost me anything <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly so whatever i didn't i didn't end up going with that guy um i ended up you know meeting another agent who was a, had experience in the u.s usl level and great guy still talk to him till this day um and yeah he hooked me up with a team uh oh actually i, I gotta get into the one story i had so i yeah. I had met this one agent. Um, oh, this is a good story. Wow, I never thought of this one. Oh, hell so, yeah. Like this. When you, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when you go over to uh, when you go over to Israel, man, like you, I flew El Al. Like they are the like in terms of security, man, like they are the strictest you'll ever ever see. So I was under questioning for like 30 minutes um, oh, wow. of like in... why I'm coming over there. Uh who I am and like I don't, they were asking like the most absurd questions, you know even with a even with the israeli passport you have yeah interesting yeah. okay so um they they uh so this this one guy who was like doing the questioning he i told him i was a footballer coming over to play football and he's like footballer like i, I know some people send me your highlights <laughs> oh wow security guy I, yeah, security guy. Oh my so God. I sent them the highlights. I sent them the highlights. And um, he he hooked me up with this agent. Uh, I was living, oh, I didn't tell this. I was living in Tel Aviv. And man, all throughout this this whole journey, I'm, I'm a big Airbnb guy. So I'm always in and out of Airbnbs. Um, 
in Germany, I think I had a record in the summer. I was like in 15 different Airbnbs within two months. So. We need a sponsor. We need a sponsorship for you. Yeah, oh, for sure. That Airbnb, if you're show. listening, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Hit me with that promo code. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I, I, I had done this Airbnb with the, these interesting people. So I had uh, rented a room from these people in Tel Aviv. It was a mother and her daughter, and uh, you know how it is. Like I thought, you know, the daughter was, you know said on the description she was 24 mother was 50 she was a pilates teacher i was like oh, this is my speed you know so i uh i ended, up rented a, <laughs> I ended up rented a room from them and obviously i had hoped the daughter was gonna be hot she wasn't to my disappointment but uh so i, I rented a room from them and uh yeah this guy like i said this this uh, guy hooked me up with an agent and they uh hooked me up with a team near tel aviv in the the second league um, and, uh, supposedly like a big team, they wanted to, to go to the first league and, uh, yeah, I went over there, trained. So I trained for, I think, so they said they would, tr I'll train for a week and then they'll let me know, you know, uh, if they want to sign me, you know, we've, we've heard this before. So I trained for a week, mm -hmm. did very well. They told my, my agent, you know, they really like me, but they need to see me another week. So I was like, all right, fine. Second week. And mind you this, I was like, you know, paying to get over there. They weren't doing any payments. So they're basically using me as a training dummy as, as we, I, I've experienced before. Um, and uh, second week, same thing. So I said to the agent, I was like, you know, I've seen this before. You know, I was in Sweden. I was in Germany. And, you know, he's like, no, no, trust me. Trust me. I was like, all right, I'll trust you. So uh, third week comes around. Same exact thing. Same exact thing. And, and I was performing well. Like all the players on the team would come up to me after these trainings. And they're like, you know, when are you going to sign? You know, you know, we, we need you on the team, this and that, you know? Um, and I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, they're kind of, I feel like they're pushing me around, but I don't know. So I told the agent, like, this was the, the third week was coming around. I was like, you got to ask them, like, are they planning on signing me or what are they doing here? And he, so yeah, he said he knows the coach and, and to trust him. So I trusted him. Third, third week comes around, same thing, did well. That Thursday, um, coach gets sacked. This is in pre, this is like in, in, in preseason, you know, I don't know why the coach would get sacked in preseason. And uh, so the new coach comes in. Boom, uh, the coach is, is very good friends with the, one of the biggest agents over there. He brings in five players, I'm out. Boom, it's already, I think it's like uh, end of July, beginning of August, when like the season's about to start, you know? Uh, and, Does it run the same as like major Europe? Like the month uh, it yeah. starts in, okay, okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, I get, I get kicked out of there. And I was, I was in Tel Aviv, like I said, in and out of different Airbnbs for like four or five weeks. And, uh, you know, I had, a, I had made a couple good friends over there, a couple guys who were playing in the first league. And, um, you know, one guy hooked me up with this team out in Haifa. And, uh, yeah, I ended up signing out in Haifa. And 
like great, great experience. Like lived in Haifa, really fantastic uh, city, like great vibes. And the thing with Israel is that I like made such good friends that that was one of the things out there. Like they're so super warm people over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I made a lot of good friends, like enjoyed my time. But like I said, in terms of the football wise, like uh, best technical players I've seen, best technical, like so sharp and clean on the ball, but their discipline is like not there. Like these people, they're, they're, eating, they're eating dinners on, on a weekday at like 11.30 p.m. We have training in the morning, like they're, they're like, like partying, whatever. And these are like guys who are, have potential to go to the next level. Like even guys in the second league were doing this. So yeah, I mean, the football world is, is, is a jungle there. Like you don't, there's a lot of, a lot of payments going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of uh, the agents run the, run the business over there. It's a big, big business. It's a big Mm -hmm. business. Uh, And I just got to the point where um, I was like, you know, I, there's there's teams that are that are in it together like in the same league they're in it together uh so they pay each other off to like lose a game to win a game it's just absurd so i was like i gotta get out of here and contacted this 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 guy uh who i told you about in latvia again and um he he like just came into a new club over here. He's trying to like do like a big project where I'm at right now. Um, And I felt like it was the perfect opportunity because as we all know, like trust is huge. And I really trust this guy, like literally the best guy I've met in football. When, when he hooked me up with these trials in, in um, when I was 24, he was like, he was working hard, man, like to hook Mm -hmm. me up with these trials. And I was like, like, let me pay you for your time. Like I said before, like, you know, let me take you for a dinner or something, you know, I appreciate your time. And he's like, no, I just do it for the grace of God. And I was like, man, this guy is just a good guy. Amazing. Just a good guy. You don't often meet those kinds of people because even the people that help you, even good people are always, they always want a little something from it. A little, just a little cash or something, even the good people. Yeah. So the people who are taking nothing from it, I mean, you meet one or two of them in your in your yeah. soccer career. I feel uh, like, oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's it's unfortunate to say that you don't meet a lot of those people, like you said, in in, in the football world. Yeah, one hundred percent. Everyone wants it has an ulterior motive, but mm. I like in the beginning, I was like, dude, is this guy actually serious? And then when, once I realized, I was like, this is this is a good guy, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I get it too, though, because like we've you said before earlier, I mean, your time is money. So I totally get if someone's taking the time to do things for me and is plugging me to teams and stuff like I fully expect to pay someone for that. But the people who don't take money from that are just like the few, I don't know, angels in this football world. That's that. I mean, I've never been in the jungle like like how you explain Israel, but I mean, everywhere there's a little glimpse of it. That's crazy, though. I mean, that level of of I didn't. I mean, the teams I mean, are paying each other. It it's sounds crazy. like a very a very you know, Eastern European football league system. Yeah. Seems yeah. right up that alley. It's kind yeah. of 
a lot of a lot of sketchy things in the background going on. Oh, a lot of favors, a lot yeah. of uh, nepotism, a lot of family stuff going on. Um, one of the big things too is a lot of the the agents. Uh, they're the agent of the coach, and then they just bring their players, and it's like boom, like yeah. you, you know. Yeah, yeah and it's you, a, that, that it explains how quickly you were kicked out of there someone else comes in it's like who's this guy i don't know i got five players i know exactly exactly and then you know in terms of the the level in in israel in the third tier good level but no tactics no like we would go out and and Mm. like i remember we were playing a three five two i was playing as, as a as a left center back and you know our like our goalkeeper wasn't good with his feet you know, and this coach was trying to play a three, five, two, where, where the left center back and the right center back are super wide on the touchline. And then the, the, the goalkeeper and the, the main, <laughs> the other center back are both on the ball. And I'm like, yo, there's no chance. Like we're not Juve, you know? <laughs> and I remember the first friendly, the first friendly, the goalkeeper gets the ball back. And we were, we were like balling on this other team, but he passes the ball to like to the other team. Boom. Uh, our other center back saved the goal, but I was like, this is what's going to happen. Mm. So like tactics over there are non-existent. They just tell you to go out there and fight. And that's what it is. It's a war. Just like it is mm. in society over there. It's a war <laughs> like on the pitch, you know? And um, you know, you, you like thing over there that I really appreciate about appreciate about Europe and I love Israel, like fantastic place, but everyone, everything has its pros and cons, its ups and downs. Um, over there, like it's, it's very, you're always on edge. Like you're always looking mm-hmm. over your shoulder. Uh, there's always, mm-hmm. there's too much of a rush. Like, and we're from New York. Like I was actually on the phone with my boy yesterday. And he's like, the fact that you say that, that people are always in a rush and always like time is money over there is crazy. But it's, it's like, I think it's a hundred, 50 times out of like new york like people are always yeah they're always like oh driving over there is like another world it's like you're on the highway like you're in the left lane like on a highway three lanes three lane highway someone is trying to pass like the first uh thing i noticed someone is first like i'm going at a good speed someone's flashing the brights at me in left lane beeping me and i'm like like i'm at speed you know he tries to pass. There's a barrier on, 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 on this side. He tries to pass me on the barrier. And I said, dude, I'm out of this lane, you know? <laughs> so Back to the like, slow lane. Yeah. So, yeah, like, came back over here a lot, V, and it's like, wow, I, I'm nice and calm again. And, and go back to, like, these, these wearables. Like, what tells you everything is my resting heart rate in Israel was, like, 42 Oh my God. Now my, rest, now my resting heart rate in, in Latvia is 37. So it's like, that's everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I would like to hear more about Latvia yeah. too, because it's another it's, one that you don't hear as much about. So what is that league system like? And yeah, I know you said it's a little more, uh, you know, adjustable and comfortable in terms of lifestyle. So yeah, yeah. just give us the lowdown on Latvia. Yeah. First of all, fantastic any anyone who 
is interested in Eastern Europe, you got to check out Latvia. Fantastic place. Like the people mm. are, are unbelievably friendly. Um, things over how's here the, are cheap. How's the food? Solid, solid. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Really good. And, and man, like you could go out for a nice, like a nice dinner, get a glass of wine for like 15, 20 euros. Like you could get a nice meal. Like appetizer, main course, you're chilling. Um, and like the, the teammates, like the people, maybe it's just my team, but like super welcoming. Um, like right away, they like told me like within like the first week, like we had like the, you know, the Manchats and we, uh, they're like, welcome to the family, you know? So once you hear that, it's like, you know, this is going to be good. And, and they're j just such good people here. And, and, you know, um, what I really realize is, is people over here, you know, they don't come from much, you know, they don't, they don't see the, the New York, the, the Long Island, the wealth. So they appreciate what they have, you know, and, and they're super happy with what they have. Um, and I think that's why people are here just still trying to figure it out, but I, it's just like, why are people so kind here? You know? And uh, that's what's been really most refreshing to me because yeah. I think one of the biggest things is how welcoming people are, you know, and, and mm. people are, are willing to, they're, they're super friendly, welcoming, great English. Um, I was going to ask, yeah, because I wasn't sure. That's cool that they have great English there too. Great English. Speak better than a lot of my friends, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Same case here. Do they, do they, uh, do they speak Russian there or what is the, what is their language that they speak? So, so they speak Latvian, but it's like mixed of Latvian and Russian people. So they learn mm. Russian on the street. Mm -hmm. Um, mm. so basically they're, I would say Latvia is, is similar to Sweden. They like learn English at like six years, five, six years old. Mm. Um, and they're watching the, the, the same type of, you know, cartoons and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, I would say maybe 30, 40 years ago, they were learning Russian in school. Mm -hmm. um, but now it's, it's kind of transitioned. Yeah. Gotcha. And what is, what is your situation like? Do you plan to stay out there? Um, is it better that you have an Israel passport now? Or what's the visa situation? So, so the team's like gone out of their way to help me. They, they, oh, cool. They've been helping me a lot. Um, like I said from the beginning, the guy who, who helped me out here, like, and humblest guy you'll ever meet. Like, I remember when I first met this guy, he played, um, he played in, in Polish extra class. He played in some big leagues. He's, he played against Ronaldo. He played against Memphis Depay, Arda Turan. He played for the national team. You would never know. You would never know. Like this guy, he was still like riding, you know, like riding the bus. And he was like, yeah, Memphis Depay is driving his Lambo, but I'm okay to ride the bus. And I, I just loved that, you know? Yeah. And, you know, humbleness, he, he has man. the money. He has a car. He has the money to buy a car. Mm -hmm. But just like the humbleness, um, I remember he said to me, he was like coming out of the stadium, playing against um, Holland. Uh, I forgot, maybe like a couple of years ago. He said that that to me is worth millions of dollars. So he was just like, you know, uh, just, just super great guys. You know, the coach is the same way. They both mm -hmm. had, play, they both played together. They're good friends. So, uh, yeah, I mean, right now, like I, I just, I wanted to get my game. Like I need to get games back. I need to get the game confidence. 
my kind of, you know, main goal was, um, you know, just after like spending so much time in Europe, I had wanted to come home to, to play in, the, I was trying to play in the States. That, that was my plan before I had undergone the surgery. Um, but then I kind of did a double think and I was like, I don't want to come back to the States after, you know, not being here for like six, seven years and just play right off of surgery, not fully fit. So my whole thing is like we've said from the beginning, like I'm just taking it training by training day by day, mm -hmm, trying to, mm -hmm. you know, be the best player at training, hardest worker at training, best player in matches and just enjoy my time. I'm not, I don't want to rush things, you know? Yeah, sure. And how's the level there? What, how is, how is like the team in terms of training and the league system and, and how is all that? So, so we're, we're in the first league. It's the second tier. There's verse mm -hmm. Liga and then, um, Peter Maliga, I think it's called. That's what we're playing in. And, you know, the goal this year, we're, tr they're trying to get up, um, to the next, to the next league. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's possible. It's a young team. Like we just, they, they kind of started the club, I think like two, three years ago, but like we have a couple of experienced players, uh, ambitions to get up. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, my friend kind of just, he, he brought me to help the team, you know, on the field and then off the field, he, he knows that I'm a, like, he knows that I'm a leader and like, I'm right. a guy who, who, uh, you know, we go back to like 10 years ago when I told you about, it's just a totally like different guy. Now I, I, my act, my actions speak louder than my words. When I was 16, I was just a, you know, clown. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I kind of try to influence the younger guys. I've got a lot of guys who have good potential and I try to, you know, show them with kind of the level of professionalism that I bring to, to the trainings. Mm -hmm. that we're here to, to do something good, you know? And, mm -hmm. and if you, I want to bring hope to these guys, you know, mm -hmm. I want to, if, if they, if they, a lot of them haven't seen the outside world. So I want to show them if they put in the work and they really want it, it bad, then they can do something. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's a, a perfect segue into this amazing brand that you've built Rick fit. I mean, it's everywhere on social media. And if you take a look at, you know, your website and everything, it's, the, the whole brand speaks for itself and in, in, you know, what it's promoting. And especially like that, it's, it's putting in the work. And if you put in the work, there's the hope that you can become the best version of yourself, whether it's exactly. in football or, you know, in fitness and nutrition yeah. and everything. So, 100%. I mean, when, when would you say like, when was Rick fit really born? Like when, right. when did you start saying, okay, I'm, I can make something of this or, or did it turn out like when you started, was it just, you know, I like to post these things and we'll see where it goes. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I appreciate the, the kind words, man. I really do. Of course, um, man. It speaks for itself. Yeah. So I was out in Sweden when I started, I was 22, uh, about four years ago. And, um, like I said, like I, I had always been into, to helping, like, I, I really, I have a lot of joy, like, um, helping people transform themselves um mm -hmm. and i've realized over the past two two like one two years more mentally than even physically um and as we both know they're both so connected um and uh yeah so i i was like personal training people like younger kids when i was in in high school 
and when I was, um, you know, in college and I was also doing it like in Germany, well, I, I was doing a lot of free sessions, wasn't mm -hmm. charging much, just enjoyed it. And, um, this is when like kind of the social media thing was all coming up. So I was like looking on Instagram and I was like, these, these trainers are just like posting these things that are just like, like not like not relevant not, not, yeah, yeah. yeah not relevant just like not scientifically back not scientifically based uh we can go with the any the fit tees the herbal life the waist trimmers i was like i got to get into this industry and and just like i want to just tell the truth you know and, and and i don't think i'm some genius i don't know everything but i know a decent amount that i want to try to educate people um and yeah i just said like basically what I did, I was like, when I was in Sweden, I was, I still, you know, train, you know, like I would, I still do like, I don't do the high intensity anymore. Like, yeah, I period, I try to periodize properly, but I basically bought a camera and I said, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start to record all my workouts. Uh, cause I was just training a lot and I basically built a Vimeo database uh, I now have like 3,500 videos on my Vimeo database. Um, and what I've done is like, I, I train people, you know, through, so I'll like build them. I build them gym phases. I help them with their nutrition, uh, help them on the technical side, like every single thing that you can think of to try to optimize the, the person I try to help them with. My whole, like my, you know, line to my clients in the beginning is like, I want to teach you what I've learned in 10 years and six months. So, um, yeah, basically what I I've done is just like try to help a lot, a lot of people for free. And then if people really want to get individualized and personalized, they can apply on my website to get into my program and they basically become an, a, an online client. And, uh, yeah, I, I require at least a six month commitment because uh, I'm also super against like the, yeah, 90 day get shredded programs and, and this and that, <laughs> because that's yeah. what gets you injured, you know? Right. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, I'm a big guy, like now I'm a big guy on consistency, uh, you know, smart work and patience. And that's what I try to help my clients with. Mm. I love Amazing. it. Like Dylan was saying, I mean, it's kind of cool to have watched and grown because it's, I mean, it, it started maybe it wasn't rick fit at the time but back when 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 i was playing pickup with you in manhasset you already had a bit of a thing on instagram but it was maybe not rick fit mm. but people knew or mm. they knew that you were playing in germany and so on mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and i i mean even since then we i've spoken about it with dill with our page and stuff it's like you do an incredible job of being consistent with content mm -hmm. and like gary v is talking about that and i'm sure you, i'm sure you've heard him speak about it but it's like you are always putting out content and it's good content, but you're also transitioning when I guess maybe you see, okay, maybe this is not working that well. Let me, let me try something else. Like mm -hmm, you, mm -hmm. You've gone through all different types of content since the beginning. Yeah. I find it fascinating because a lot of the stuff too, some of it's so simple, but it's like, like of course you should put this out. Like this is yeah. brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Like even the post the other day, which I wanted to talk to you about because I feel like, from what I know of you, this is maybe something you've battled yourself with, but it's like the, the post about eating the ice cream cone. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, 
people don't talk about that. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I would consider both of us as, as we're super obsessed. We want to optimize, but like, yeah, today I went for a nice walk in the right. river. It's 85 degrees and I had an ice cream and I enjoyed it. And not, I had an ice not, cream today too. Let's not, go. Not, what flavor? I had mint chips uh, or it was like mint crunch. Mint it was called. Nice, man. Mine was one, one, uh, one scoop cookies and cream and one scoop chocolate. Had to do a big. Damn, love yeah. that. But like something like a like a post like that where it's like, yes, we are doing everything we can to optimize our performance. Yes. But yeah. I also life is more important than football. And this is not yes. like an ice cream cone yes. is gonna affect my performance. It's not. Yes. Because what's gonna affect the performance is is a good a quality mind and decision making. And when you're in a bad spot mentally, you make poor decisions. And ultimately yeah. that is the biggest performance enhancement or what's going to hinder your performance the most is your decision-making like as much as, and that's kind of what I've learned across the years is like, as much as I do in the gym and outside of the outside of training, Mm -hmm. it's like what decisions you make and the proper decisions consistently is determines whether you're a good player or not, because all the technical stuff, sure. You can get incrementally better slowly, but like it's there, it's not, it's Mm -hmm. not going anywhere, but it's Mm -hmm. what I do with the ability is what makes exactly. a difference between a good player or you're sitting on the bench. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, the coach only cares about the result. You know, he exactly. doesn't care how, how much time you put in in the gym or on the wall. Yeah. He cares about, you know, what you can bring to those 90 mm-hmm. minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, completely true. I mean, I was just looking at the other day. I mean, you're, we won't call you an influencer. You're a, a footballer who has a good following. And I mean, that's yeah, following's over a hundred it's a following over a hundred thousand people. So, I mean, yeah, it took some time to build up. So, you know, a lot of people are trying to build their own brands and, you know, we're, we're big proponents of if you have something you believe in, you know, go all out and do everything you can. So for people who are trying to build a brand, just like you did and are continuing to do, what are some, you know, big tips and big things that you say are, are necessary for something like this? Mm Mm-hmm. So basically why I love business so much, um, and I didn't go to business school. I learned it all from Gary V. I, I love that guy. Gary V. University, maybe. He's the man. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so uh, basically, you know, the main thing is help people for free, you know. Uh, no, I, I got to go back to what I said. Uh, it's too, too late. I need some caffeine. But um, – the reason I, 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 I love business so much is because it's so similar to your body. What, you know, it's about, you know, quality, consistency, quality work. And, um, you know, I, I just think it, I really relate it so similar to the body because I always, I always post this one thing. Um, you can't get, you can't get fed eating one salad and you can't get fat eating one burger and fries, fries, just like, mm-hmm. you know, we had talked about with that post. Um, and it's about consistency over, over time, consistency, you know, consistency over intensity, you know, really one workout isn't going to make or break you, you know, it, it's, it's, it's being on that cycle. And like you said, Sean, like happiness is everything, you know, when you're, when you're happy off the field, you're going to be happy on the field. And you, 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 I always tell my clients from a nutrition standpoint, you know, consistency over rigidity, 
I would rather you, you know, eat, you know, 80% according to your goals, 20% go enjoy yourself. You know, mm. I had a, I had a client, you know, email me the other day. He was like, he's like a young kid, 17, 18. He's like, I'm going on vacation with my family to Montana, uh, traveling around, uh, you know, doing road trips. And he's like, how could I stay uh, on track with my nutrition? And I was like, all right, lay out what the nutrition looks like for me right now. Like, you know, where are you going to be eating things like that? And we'll talk about it. And, and literally the message that I gave to him was like, dude, I got to tell you, like, don't worry so much about it. You know what to do. Like I've taught you what to do. Just enjoy the vacation with your family. I got to tell you, I wish I was on a vacation with my family right now. Mm. You're not going to look back when you're 90 and say, oh, I wish I stayed on track with my nutrition for a week when I was on in, in these beautiful places in Montana. And I said, second of all, dude, you're probably hiking 30,000 steps. So I really wouldn't worry so much about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think number one is like, I'm going to sound like Gary Vee when I say these, this advice, but it's like number one is um, consistency of giving people things for free without wanting any monetary gain uh, back. Um, number two is don't judge yourself too hard. Uh, just like with the ice cream thing, like, man, if you, if you eat an ice cream cone, it's better to enjoy it and be in the present moment than, than worry about how many calories or whatever is inside. Enjoy it. You're allowed to. Um, and yeah, the third thing is like, like you said, really stand behind what you do. I, I was actually talking, to. One of my mentors who's helped me with my business uh, is Gary Vaynerchuk's trainer, actually. And I talked to him. Yes, um, I talked to him the other day, and I was like, one of the things that um, that I want people to, uh, when they come off my page, I want them to just get a positivity, energy, but a realness. I want to give them my positivity and energy energy and and I want them to know how much I love what I do and how much I believe in it but I want them to come out with an emotion because Gary always talks about when you could get someone emotionally they're hooked so it's like when someone comes off my page I want them to really think about Rick Fit like damn this guy you know he gives practical and scientific information but he's also not a robot and that's why mm. I post that stuff like that like I'm not all business and, and people think that I eat, you know, and I don't miss trainings and it's just not the reality. Like I try to be as consistent as possible and that's what makes me feel my best. That's why I'm so big on it. But like, you know, enjoy yourself, you know, like you gotta, you gotta go out and smell the roses once in a while. Like it's not, it's not all business all the time, you know, mm -hmm. that realness, man, it's uh, in itself. It's, it's part of the brand. It's like, like you said, there's so much shit out there on social media. And, you know, we've been, we've been around, especially our generation, we've been around through the yeah. kind of the beginnings of it. So we can smell bullshit from a mile away. Sure. So when you have a brand like yours, where you're giving out consistent information that's free and that's practical to things that you do and things that people want to become too. I mean, it makes sense why it's grown so far. You know, it makes sense why you've been able to take it to where it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. No, I appreciate it. And yeah, like I said, I try to be like as transparent as possible. And I think, I think one of the biggest things, you know, whenever you're chasing something that, that isn't, 
that's out of the realm and isn't the same thing that everyone else is doing, man, you're going to have so many, so many lows, man. And like, uh, I always try to, I, I really want to get into something because I, I see so much, you know, from the emotional standpoint with, with, with like younger kids, like where people just are struggling mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's where, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a psychologist, but I've, I've done a lot of research on, on neurology, the brain. And, and also I've experienced a lot of this stuff. And one of the biggest things is like, there are, you know, in football, there are, especially when you're not a big player, there are a lot more lows than there are highs. But if you really, really love the game uh, and you can treat this as a process and, and a way of life, like, um, it's just so valuable, you know? And like you said from the beginning, uh, I think you said something about we're always chasing results. And that's the problem, man. We're not people... Yeah, we got these cliche cliche sayings, trust the process, this, that. But but once you actually live it, that's when you, the value is there. Like, tr- like really enjoying every step of the process is the most fun. Because once mm-hmm. you get to the result, you're like, all right, what's next? Once I hit 100,000 followers, I'm like, what's next? You know? So. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, it's it's a great point because – yeah, like you said, we have all the sayings that's trust your process. But when you actually embody that and you've kind of been through these multiple lows, like we all, all three of us have been, you know, grinding out as players who don't have that name and, you know, had to trust people and things yeah. like this, those lows become, I don't know, just less powerful. They become yeah. just more like little bits of ammo or a shield or however you want to describe it that are really just building bricks to make you better and you know more intelligent you've you've learned so much like you said a great quote um and i'll butcher it but it was essentially along the lines of the things that you learned you know by leaving college and and you know you couldn't have learned that in the classroom and that's exactly it like the amount of lows that we've all been through these things I never learned in college and, you know, we went four years. So it's, it's just a testament to, you know, kind of taking that scary route that Sean and I always preach. And, you know, along the way, you're going to learn so much and look back at it. And I'm sure you kind of do the same as when you look back at some of these lows, it's, it's really not so damaging anymore. It's more like, wow, that happened. And like, Mm that helped me become this it's it's mm. it's crazy that self-reflection oh of course yeah and, and and you know 50 cent what's his his line like you know if it wasn't if it wasn't for rain we wouldn't enjoy the sun something like that it's like the same yeah. thing like it's in many many men i think but, it isn't many men i have it's funny yeah, it's running through my head yeah. right now <laughs> no but like he you know it's so true like you know the dark times when you're in the dark times they might seem like they're just walloping over you and everything. But mm-hmm. once you get out of it, you're just so grateful for those times because how much they've taught you, you know? Right. 100%. Do you feel like you've been a, a grateful person, you know, throughout this journey? Or is it something that kind of came to you as you were really trusting the process and figuring things out? Uh, I think when I, um, I think, you know, first of all, one of the biggest things that I, after seeing all these places traveling and seeing how people act and how people live, I'm just grateful for where I come from. I actually was on the phone with one of my boys yesterday and I was like, dude, 
you have no idea like where we come from like in long island like what we have compared to the rest of the world like you just got to be grateful man like mm-hmm. we're like one percenters out there you know mm-hmm. and it's like i think one of the things that i'm grateful for that i got out of college earlier is like so many people where i'm from they're in such a bubble man um i don't know if it's the same by you upstate in new york but i'm sure sean could attest to it but these people they're like they're just worried about their next sorority party or their their next you know line of coke they're snorting they have no idea what the rest of the world is you know yeah yeah i mean it's it's something you said again sorry sean was just like it's an environment i mean what you what you're around is who you become. So unless you kind of take those scary risks to go out and do something that's uncomfortable, you're always going to be a product of that environment. And you're not going to be able to change yourself as, as, and learn really. It's really like uh, the amount you learn from going to another place is uncomparable. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've I've had this conversation recently many times with with numerous people, but it's like when you leave the country, because you can go to a new place in America and it's a new environment, but it's very, it's the same culture. It's, there's slight differences. But when you leave, when you go to different countries, it's like, there's something so like natural about it. It's like, you've got to adapt to the environment, kind yeah. of assimilate to the culture in a way, and then find your place in order to make it like, okay, I enjoy living day-to-day life where it's like, oh, I hate this year. Like you have mm-hmm. to change your mind somehow. And now- after, I mean, what is it now, four or five years being outside the country, it's like, when you go back, when I go back to America, I love it. I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. everything that yes. I didn't it's see so true. when I was there, because I would never have known. But you leave the country, there's like such, it's just little things I can't even think of off the top of my head, but it's like little things where it's like, oh, I really appreciate this. You know, even like, like hearing your own language, yes, you know, yes. you, you go back to the U S and yo, this cashier speaks English. Like, <laughs> Oh my God. Dude, <laughs> right. That's so crazy. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Or it's like, it's, it's like little things exactly like walking my girlfriend's dog. And it's like, I'm walking past someone else with a dog. It's like, Oh, I'm after a conversation in German right now. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what are they going to ask me? And it's like little things like this, where it's like, you don't just think about it. I would yeah. never have thought about this. Like, Oh, I have to have a conversation with this person. Don't know yeah. if they even speak English or German well. How is this going to go? And it's like sure. just a fascinating, uh, fascinating moment that would never happen in your own country, even if you moved For around. Sure. And, and that, man, like that, I could go in so many directions with that. But like, you know, um, being able to adapt everything. What's that? Man, what's the quote by Darwin? Oh, man. Uh, he just talks about like, it's not sur- survival of the fittest is the one who, not the strongest, not the smartest, but yeah. the one who fittest can adapt. The, fit for some, the environment. Some kind of, yeah. Who exactly. Can best, best adapt to the environment. Something like that. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and. It's not the strongest like, of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent. It's the one most adaptable to change. Exactly. And that's like, that's one of the biggest things like, dude, like. Mm the ability that you that you have to you know quickly switch your thinking from english to german and you speak german and you know that's just it's a it's a huge huge skill you know and and i think you you guys have talked about on the podcast before like you don't 
you learn so many different skills over here just to live, be able to survive and live. Um, right. And if you don't adapt, you're, you're not going to do well. Like we've seen the guys who, um, you know, like here's a perfect example. Like when I first went over to Germany and people weren't speaking English, like I said to myself, like, damn, this is going to suck. But what did I do? You know, instead of saying it's going to suck, I tried to flip that switch, change the perspective. It's like, I'll, you know, I learned German and now I could speak decent German, you know, and then I tell people now, like I wish in Sweden, they didn't speak such good English and they weren't so, you know, willing to speak English because I would have learned Swedish. Right. Exactly. But um, I'm like, I'm grateful for those dark times where I felt lonely and I felt out of place. Uh, and I was like, man, how am I going to do this? But I'm so grateful I did. And we know those other foreign players who weren't willing to learn German, who haven't, didn't do well over there. Right, right. And, and even with that too, it's like just moving from place to place within the country, in Germany or in Sweden, or moving from country to country. We are so much better able to adapt to the new environment yes. where it, exactly. it doesn't, like I can, I can honestly say that it doesn't phase, it doesn't phase me anymore to, to move from, I mean, I'm going to be moving again soon to like another temporary room until I have another apartment. This is like the ninth yeah. time in three years. And it is, it's, it's like, this is normal. Like yeah. I, I, it, it is what it is. And it's like, in the beginning, it was a big stress, but now it doesn't, it doesn't phase me. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, one of the biggest things that I've learned, like actually when I was, when I was home for five months with, you know, doing this rehab, that was the first time I was home for more than, one month over like six, seven years. And also grateful for that. Like I got to spend great quality time with my parents. And one of the biggest things that I've learned moving all around is uh, you, you just become so grateful for home, you know, mm -hmm. a place that you could call home um, and, and being in one place at one time, because the world is such chaos. Like when you come home, you want to be able to be at peace and, and calm and, and, and enjoy yourself. And sometimes when you're moving place to place, like your mind is just not there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It is nice. I mean, even to bring it back to what you guys said before, I feel like I just appreciate America and America culture and just like, I don't know, the, comf the comfortability of it and just like knowing what's going to happen, you know? I love the I love to come out and try the new places too, but it makes me appreciate a little bit of each sure. now. So yeah, it's sure. it's it's crazy what you think you'll learn when you go and do something like what we've all done, and then what you actually learn. And mm -hmm. it's I, I don't know, it's crazy. I wouldn't wouldn't well, change a sure. thing. Also, another thing to add too, because it's also come up recently. It's like you moving, you get outside the country, you get people's perspective on things. Yes. Like it's not even just yeah. politics, but it's just like daily life things where it's like, I never, I never thought of that. No yeah. one has mm -hmm. ever spoken about it that way. And I'm a pretty open person. So please tell me if you think something's, there's a better way to do something. Yeah. And there's like just a million things I could talk about, like outside of political stuff. It's like mm. you, I would never have been able to hear this perspective staying in America. Can you think of any examples? I'm trying to think of some right off, yeah, the, so off the bat, yeah, yeah. but I mean, it's like one, you could do course, a full episode on things like, like this. People are always interested in, in hearing about that, but like a simple thing. No, let's stay, let's stay not, but no, no yeah, we're not, we're not doing that. Uh, <laughs> no, but yeah, like Dylan said, man, 
things in the U.S. are just so much easier, you know, like daily tasks like are so much easier. But then like, you know, I always try to tell like the younger generation, like, you know, um, just the process just like teaches you like so many things that once, you know, once our career is over, you know, whenever that may be, hopefully, you know, mid late thirties, whenever our career is over, when we go into the real world, we will be able to eat everyone. It just will be so easy because <laughs> these people, they're sitting in desks some nine to five, like, and like, we've been through it all, you know? Right, right. And I've, I've, I've struggled. I've spoken about this before. I don't know if I spoke about it on the podcast, but like, I'm struggling for a way to really describe it, but I just feel like the journey we're living at the moment is like, it's like real life, like the nine to five real life, but in like 10,000 times fast forward. It's like the going contract to contract, game to game, sketchy stuff here, having to move the lows, you, the team doesn't yeah. want anywhere you got to get in. And it's like, you're living everything, but like an incredibly, it's like a life. It's like a lifetime within itself. Yes. Exactly. So then when we get out of this, whenever we were not really going to get out of it, but when we yeah. transition into something else, it's going to feel like everything is in slow motion or it's just so For easy. Sure. so simple. Wow. I mean, honestly, like, you know, not to toot all of our horns right now, but like, this is a good conversation, man. This is something that this is a no, really. Uh, like no, it's a real. It's wise. We're we're wise people, really. Like this is something that like 55, 60 year olds would be talking about. You know, like <laughs> we've, you know, we've, you know, we've the ability to have a good conversation is 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 one of the biggest skills, and and mm-hmm. and you know, not a lot of people can do it. Like when I'm around, you know some people that I'm around, I just can't have a conversation with because I can't relate, you know, mm, but like right. we, you know, I think through everything we've been through where we become, we've become very relatable to everyone. Mm-hmm. And once you can relate to everyone, you know, I think you guys have talked about it before, like the, the money, the money um, thing with football, like, you know, uh, I remember when I first came out here, like a lot of my friends were asking me how much I made and, and they would laugh at me and that's fine. But, you know, I, I take those skills that I've learned. And, you know, when I'm older, you know, Jordan Peterson, I forgot what he said, but like when you're 20 and you're 30, that's where you're living, your experience. Real wealth comes at 40, 50. And I'm not saying it's all about money, but it's like just to put that stuff into perspective, like this journey is it's i think you actually said this it's priceless it really is Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's always different ways to to you know really categorize something and it's not it doesn't always have to be monetary so like you know the the success doesn't have to be in terms of dollars or trophies or you know it doesn't have to be like we said it doesn't have to be results driven doesn't have to be a number a personal best that you squatted it can be everything that you learn to get to that to that to where we are and to where we continue to go. I mean, yeah, the, th- the things that we've learned, I mean, like I said, uh, you know, I wouldn't change it. And for sure. Yeah. I think it's been a great conversation too, not to do our own homes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, all you people out there, uh, you're welcome. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> that, that might, we might have to start the episode like that and then come back to this. <laughs> Uh, well, there's, true, there's the 14 year old rick 
It's yeah, <laughs> I, bro, that's the thing, man. Like, comes out. You know, my ex, my ex girlfriend actually always jokes around about this with me because, like, when I was nineteen, twenty, she saw the clown me, you know, and, mm. and then, and she's like, "Don't ever lose that." I'm like, "Trust me, I haven't, but I'm a little more mature now." You know, it comes out in the right times now. Exactly, you know, all more appropriate times. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But even just to bring this back, just the, uh, to the, these points that we've been making is like, you know, one a thing with footwork is one, we love to talk to the guests because it always brings out more and more of what we're feeling. You know, it's, it's yes. not a therapy session, but in a way it kind of is because it's, yeah. it's just bringing up, you know, you might be able to phrase something better than us, or you might be able to put something in more of perspective that may help me in this journey, you know? So talking to people who have like-minded thoughts, but different paths, I think is, is another thing that's just invaluable. And Hey, yeah, yeah, we're, we're giving it away for free people. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, (laughs) Someone's got a spot. Whoop, whoop. Give them 20%. Yeah. Those are saying whoop for us. Airbnb for you. Yeah. Uh, Come on. We'll take a 5% anything. Yeah. I actually, this, this company, like this, this company, um, some supplement company tried to reach out to me the other day and they were like, um, and like, I've had a lot of people like try to reach out and I've never actually accepted anything. Cause like I've said from the beginning, like I'm all, I'm only going to promote things that I would use. Mm-hmm. Um, and this supplement, they were trying to give me like 5% uh, return. I'm like, nah, you give me 25% and I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you think I need your money? You see this? Yeah, exactly. 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 You learn. You learn something from everyone. You know. You really do. Uh, shout uh, out that guy. Yeah, shout oh, out that guy. Oh yeah, saucy guy. That's his name. Legend. Saucy guy. If you're listening, Yo, shout to out saucy to the, guy. You're a legend. Shout out to the on. security guard too, though. Like, That's what I'm saying. He's the real MVP here. We talked about this. This is a whole episode where we talked about you never know like who you're gonna be in front of. This guy's you know? giving Everyone's you a, a cavity connection. search, and then he's asking exactly. for your highlight video. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, legend Igor. Um, Igor. Oh Igor. my God, he's even more of a legend. Yeah. But um, yeah, just like you said, man. Like, I don't know. It's something that I really. Uh, you know, I don't know if you listen to podcasts. I am athlete Brandon Marshall and all those NFL guys. I've I've heard some. I've seen some clips on YouTube. I've never. I don't oh, think I've you ever. You guys got to check it. It's fantastic, cool. fantastic. But Brandon Marshall always goes into checking, like checking the me- the mental health of of his, his like Chad Johnson. Uh, I forgot the two other uh, NFL guys that are on there, but it's like. You know, you see these, these, um, you know, and this is all about being vulnerable, you know, it's like, and this, it helps other people, you know, like these, these NFL guys, like you, they, like you look at them, they're absolute machines. Like you would never think like, now we know since we're older and we have experience, but younger kids, like they would never think that they're dealing with the same issues that they're dealing with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like being able to, to uh, be vulnerable and talk about like, real conversations are so damn valuable mm, not yeah. not this freaking um this uh superficial you know uh, uh you know getting deep is what it's all about you know and, and that's what i i always try to do with all my boys like my good friends like i it's what it's all about you know like having yeah. those deep conversations 
Um, and that's why I don't like being categorized as a damn inf- Instagram influencer because, <laughs> man, I, I totally get I it. Think I think I've been out with like two of these Instagram influencers, these girls, they can't talk about anything. It's like, you know, we're trying well, to get that's deep the problem with social media. Level. Yeah, it's a problem yeah. with social media in general is, you know, it, it's so surface level and you're only showing the highs. And I think it's super exactly. important to show the pitfalls and the struggles and have these conversations because you can't keep that shit inside. You can't just only, you know, exclamate the, the highs. You have to talk about the lows and you have to exactly. divulge into those conversations and you can't keep it bottled in 100%. Exactly. Exactly. And and I think, you know, just like you said, like being like, man, you could call this a therapy session. It's like getting out it, a lot it of is, good. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a lot it of, is. Yeah. it's a lot of good. And, 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 and that word therapy, you know, gets such a bad rap, but it's like, like even Sean said, like when you're, you know, with that, when you're in a good mental place, like anything's possible, you know, completely agree. Completely agree. You can do all the training, you can do all the the research, you can do everything. But if your mind's not right, you can't perform. And exactly. that's what people always have to think. They always have to, you should always constantly check yourself and be like, am I all right? If not, I got to talk to someone, you know, who can I exactly. talk to? And on the other side, like you said, you constantly reach out to your boys to talk. So it's, it's important to be on both sides. Like, because mm. sometimes it's hard to speak up about things that are, you know, going wrong and things that are tough and you know it's so valuable to just put things out there into the world because once you say it something can just that power can just not be over you anymore it can really release it could be as simple as that and i think it's great you know i might have to call a few boys after this and just you know sure check up yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. That, that you know that's something that's also very valuable that you learn like when you're you know uh you're in a foreign country and, and you're, you're not all your boys aren't around. You don't have family, like just, just, um, reaching out, like even having a 15, 20 minute conversation, catching up with one of your boys is, is it's huge. You know, it mm-hmm. puts you in, it puts you in a good place. It really does. Right. Yeah. And it gives you, it's similar to like a workout where it kind of gives you a little high afterwards, you know, where exactly. you kind of really have a does. little boost of energy and you kind of get some endorphins and you're like, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, it's just nice. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, um, like you said, just surrounding yourself with, with, with the right people and, you know, people I've gotten questions before, like, what if you don't have a good circle? And, and that's, that's the value of, of like this podcast of other, you know, um, people that you look up to listening, reading what they think, reading, you know, that's the value of books, right. like mm-hmm. create mm-hmm. your own artificial circle. Exactly. You don't know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome, Rick. I mean, so this was an incredible conversation. I'll be oh, honest. Man. Sure it was. Sure <laughs> I'm, was. I'm not, I'm not going to shy away this from up that. on my podcast, if you don't mind, and my YouTube. Yeah, this is... Uh, Please. Uh, I mean, we could keep going, but this is there's going to be a round two. There's, oh, there's no question about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you've, you've, you've given so much... Uh, gold. So much gold here today. But if there's, there's advice, not necessarily for your younger self, but to anyone looking to pursue their dream i wouldn't say young people because they might be older and looking to switch it up what would you give them what's your advice to them damn i always ask this on my podcast and now you stumped me man uh 
<laughs> it's always easier to ask this question than, than yeah, to, yeah. to receive it. Hundred percent. Yeah. I think the number one thing is is really like if you want to do something and you 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 know you, you talk about these goals and and you you tell people about the goals, but the most important thing is yourself. You know you gotta if you really want something bad, you gotta look yourself in the mirror and actually ask yourself. And you have to commit, like you have to commit, not for, for one month, for, you know, six months, not for two years, three years, you got to give a good commitment, you know, and obviously you got to be realistic. Like if, if you don't, if you want to be a pro player, but you, you know, you're not sure if you have the ability, you got to be realistic with that, but you got to look yourself in the mirror and, and dedicate, because like I said, in the beginning, like there's going to be so many ups and downs. It's like, you know, one, if you hit an obstacle, you can't, you can't just throw in the towel because there's going to be so many more of those. Like once you commit, you got to fully commit. Mm-hmm. And that word is, is loose. It's a loosely thrown around word, but true commitment is true commitment. And the true commitment is, is, is to yourself. You got to look yourself in the mirror and, and, and ask yourself, am I willing to make all these sacrifices? You know, what our journey we've been willing to miss holidays with our family. We've been willing to miss weddings of our good friends of family, birthday parties, all, all those celebrations. It's, 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 you know, we've talked about all the great things of of what we've done, but you know, like we said, the, the low, it comes with lows. Like it's hard to have a relationship um, with, with a girlfriend. It's, it's, you know, friendships are hard you know especially with teammates you're in you're one year here and then you're there it's hard to keep mm. in contact there's so many different things but if you're if you really really do love the game and you're willing to commit to this you got to commit and you can't just you know write it on social media or tell your parents it's you versus you it's in between your own ears so once you commit to it you got to be all in it's all about being all in I mean, I think that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm nervous for when I have to answer that question. Cause I don't know if I can top that. I love that. All right. So until next time, keep moving forward, keep learning, make your own path. There you go. Thank and you, follow these guys. These guys are legends. <laughs> and follow this guy. This guy's a bigger and follow legend. Rick fit. Yeah. Work is sponsored by ourselves. Also Kung Fitness and Merchant Designs, baby. Follow us on Instagram at footwork underscore podcast twitter is at footwork podcast youtube and facebook just check out footwork podcast search it email us if you need anything any questions at footworkpodcast at gmail.com and remember plug plug pass tell your parents amazon delivery guy mailman i don't know who just tell them like subscribe review all of it helps thank you